Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Take your Bibles and go to Joshua chapter 1. We don't have to stand just yet. Joshua chapter 1. A while back, we looked at Joshua chapter 1, and we preached the first half of it. Some of you might remember that message. We preached the first half of it. We're splitting it up in two parts. The first half of Joshua chapter 1 is a proclamation. It's a proclamation from God. Deuteronomy 34, the chapter just before Joshua. Moses passes off the scene. Moses dies. And God gives them 30 days to grieve. He gives them 30 days to mourn. And then he says, it's time to get going. There's nothing wrong with grieving over someone that you love. There's nothing wrong with grieving over the loss of a loved one. But God said, I've allowed you to grieve. It's time to go on. This was Moses. How could they possibly go on? This is Moses, the man that led them out of Egypt. This is Moses, the man that turned, that, 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 that had the part of the Red Sea so they could walk across to safety. This was Moses, the man that supplied water and food for them. I was praying to God in the desert. This was Moses, the man that led them, the man they loved. Historians have said that Moses was the greatest leader. Whether you believe the story, whether it's you're a secularist or whether you're a biblicist, Moses was one of the greatest leaders in recorded history. God gave him this, this encouragement. He gave this proclamation. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. He is an everlasting God. He was there when the earth was formed, when the skies were formed, when space was formed. He created man in his own image. He's an everlasting God. His presence is eternal. And because his presence was there, therefore his power was there. As I just went through the death of Moses and was there. Grieving and mourning, God said it's time to go because just because Moses is off the scene doesn't mean that I'm off the scene. Just because Moses is dead doesn't mean that I'm dead. Just because Moses is gone doesn't mean that I'm going to leave you as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. That was the first half of the chapter. The second half is this, the response of God's people. The response to the proclamation which is what we're going to be looking at today. So let's stand together as we read God's Word. Joshua chapter 1. Begin reading in verse number 10. We'll read through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, verse number 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the 
Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Notice the wording there. We're going to go back to this verse because it's important. The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God given, uh, given them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. And then they put this condition on it, Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, ye shall put, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Today we're going to preach a message called Claiming Your Promise. Claiming your promise, let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be up here preaching your word. I ask that you'd help me, that you would empty me of self, cleanse me of sin, that I may present your word in a way that you intended. Give me clarity of mind and speech. May you guide my lips as I talk today. May we take these principles that you've given us in this chapter and apply it to our lives that we'll be better servants for you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. There was a young boy who wanted nothing more than to receive a bicycle for Christmas. He never owned a bicycle. He never even ridden a bicycle. So he approaches his father and he tells him, Dad, if I don't get anything else for Christmas this year, all I want is a bicycle. Now this family didn't have a lot of money, but Dad thought if he worked real hard, if he put in a few extra hours, if he picked up some overtime, then he'd be able to get this this bicycle for his son for Christmas. So he does just that. He puts in some extra time at work and order to afford this bicycle for his son. So Christmas Eve, he goes, he picks up the bicycle, he brings it home, he puts it together, he assembles it, and then he sets it next to the Christmas tree. Christmas Day. Very next morning, the boy wakes up, he runs downstairs, and what does he see sitting next to the Christmas tree? This beautiful blue bicycle with a red bow on top. He asks his dad, Dad, can we, can we go outside so you can teach me how to ride it? So his father told him, after Christmas dinner, we'll go outside and I'll teach you how to ride it. 
Boy goes throughout dinner with great anticipation on the edge of his seat. Once Christmas dinner is over, the boy and his father go outside to learn how to ride this bicycle. But something happens when this boy takes his seat on this bike. Reality sets in. If I try to ride this bike, there's a chance I might fall. His dad is there. His dad is present. This boy is sitting on the bike suspended. His father is right there beside him. He has one hand on the handlebars, one on the back of the seat, and his boy is too afraid to start pedaling. He says, Dad, I can't do it. Dad says, yes, you can. Son says, no, I can't do this. Dad says, yes, you can. May I submit to you today that in our American Christianity, we often, by our actions, by refusing to pedal, when God says pedal, we are saying no to what God has not only commanded us to do, but we are saying no to what God has enabled us to do. We're not just saying no to what God has commanded us to do. We're saying no to what God has enabled us to do. So under the leadership of Moses, the previous generation, he sends 12 spies to scout out this land. He sends 12 spies out, and 10 said, no, we can't do it. Two said, yes, we can. You remember the song, 10 were bad and two were good. Learned that in children's church. 10 said we couldn't, two said we could. Because the children of Israel didn't fight, because they disobeyed God, they were to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. No doubt, throughout that 40-year period, they had children. They had these children that were born in the wilderness, and these children are living with the consequences of their forefathers' decisions. Sometimes people are the victims of the consequences that are tied to somebody else's actions. Can't help but think of all the victims that are tied to abortion. Been children born with disabilities because of a mom's decision that she made while their child was in the, in the womb. People, children have been abused because somebody couldn't control their anger or because dad was a drunkard. In this case, this generation was born in the wilderness rather than the promised land. Had the previous generation listened to God, then this generation would have been born in the promised land. You and I were victims of the consequences tied to the choice that Adam and Eve made to disobey God. The question is, what are you going to do to better the next generation? What legacy will we leave? Because this much is true. Your decisions affect other people. Those around you and those to come after you, our decisions, to, uh, they, they affect other people. They were looking out on a world, on a nation, and we're thinking, how did it come to this? When did we drop the ball on fighting 
for the spirituality of our country. We can blame others. We can blame the generations before us. Or we can do this. We can claim our promise. Because every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, every promise in the book is mine. God's calling us today to claim our promise. The book of Joshua is centered around fighting for the land of Canaan. God's people claiming their promise. They could have blamed the previous generation. Maybe they did, I don't know, but at this point, they're claiming their promise. Chapter 2, we're going to see Rahab and the part that she played in all of this. We're going to see how God used somebody like that in order for the children of Israel to gain victory. What did they do? They seized his commandment. Why did they seize the commandment? They seized the commandment because it was a God-given commandment. Verse number 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over the Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Now this wasn't just a command from Joshua. This wasn't just a command from Moses. This was a command from God. It was God's will that they were to take the land. It was God's will for them to have the land. This is them just taking God's promise, taking him at his word. This is Joshua reintroducing God's commandment. The battle for Canaan is still the same. It was just delayed. I'm here to tell you tonight that there is a spiritual battle taking place. There is a spiritual battle taking place in our country, in our world, in our families, in our communities, in our churches. There is a spiritual battle taking place. We are fighting a spiritual battle. Whether we realize it or not, we're fighting for Canaan. We're fighting for Canaan today. Well, what, do you, what does that mean? Well, what does Canaan represent? Canaan is a picture of spiritual victory. Canaan is a picture of a victorious Christian life. And that is exactly what we are fighting for, and that is exactly what Satan is fighting against. Spiritual victory. Satan wants spiritual defeat for you and your family. Satan wants spiritual defeat for this church. Satan wants spiritual defeat for this nation. And he's fighting pretty hard. He's pushing pretty hard to get it. There's a spiritual battle taking place. Commandment is the same. Fight the spiritual battle. Fight the battle. We need a revival in this country. We need a revival in our churches. Maybe you're in here, you're listening, and you've never seen a revival take place. 
but it's, uh, it's what we ought to be fighting for. A believer might even say, when I look around at this country, and I look around at our communities, and I see what's going on, and I see what's taking place, it seems like an impossible task. We're not in the days of the Great Awakening anymore. We're not in the days of Dwight Moody or Billy Sunday or Charles Spurgeon. Seeing a revival in this country would take a miracle. And that is exactly right. Fortunately for you and for me, we have a miracle-performing God. Last time we preached Joshua chapter 1, Moses was off the scene. The culture was changing. The whole atmosphere was changing. The location was changing. The government was changing. The leadership was changing. But their enemy was very real. And even though Moses was off the scene, God was still alive and well. God was still on his throne, and if my Bible is correct, then that much is true still today. God has not changed his mind. The commandment is still the same. And our biggest problem in this world, our biggest, biggest problem is not what is going on around us, it's what's going on within us. Our biggest problem is, do we really believe God's word? How did Satan get Eve to stumble? Hath God said? Did God really say that? Are you sure that's what he meant? No, let me tell you what he meant. He didn't want you to have what he has. He didn't want you to have your eyes open and see what he sees. Go ahead and eat it. You'll be as God's. So she does, and then Adam does, and from there, spiritual depravity. There's a battle to be fought. Joshua charges the people, he reminds them of what God said. It's time to take the land. It's time to possess the land. In other words, get ready for battle. Too many people want to see change, but they're unwilling to fight for it. They'll let somebody else fight for it. They'll let somebody else try, but they're good with just filling a pew and letting other people fight in the battle. Too many complain about the problems going on, but no one has any solutions. No one's willing to fix the problem. There was a man who went to work every day with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Every day at lunch, he opened up his cooler and he pulled out his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Every day he complained about his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Every day I open my lunchbox and all I have is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I hate peanut butter and jelly. Every day he complained about it. I don't. He does. All right. I actually like it. So one day, the corporation that he worked for, they had this big party where all of the employees could invite their families. So the man brought his family, and 
The man left his wife's side to go to the restroom. The man's work colleague approaches his wife, and he asks her every day, your husband comes to work. And every day, at lunch, he pulls out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And every day, he complains about it. So would you please stop making him peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? His wife looks at her husband's work colleague and replies, he makes his own lunch. Too many people that have the means to fix the problem, but they don't. What do you mean we have the means to fix the problem? You and I have God's word in our possession, in our hands, and this is what the world needs. This is exactly what they need. They need God's word preached. They need God's word taught to them. They need the gospel witnessed to them. We have the solution. Reality, reality is, is that oftentimes people would rather complain about what's going on than do anything about it. Has God changed his mind about sin? Has God changed his mind about holiness? Has God changed his mind about the call that he's placed on his people? The answer is no. His word is still the same. What God has said, God is still saying. He's an everlasting God. He has an everlasting word. It is as relevant today as it was when it was penned. It's an everlasting word. Why is the commandment the same? The commandment is the same because the presence is the same. The presence is the same, therefore the power is the same, and therefore the promise is the same. He has given us a promise. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. It is an everlasting promise. It is a promise that does not die. God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Look at verse 13. Remember, remember, this is Joshua telling, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. God is saying, the land is yours and the rest is yours. Now, Have they moved in yet? No. Have they taken the land yet? No. Do they possess it? No. Do they have the deed? No. Then why is God speaking this way? Why is God speaking as if he al they already have? Why is he using this past tense? What God is saying is, I have done everything that is needed in order for you to take this land. I have done everything necessary on my end in order for you to have what I have promised you to have, and it's your job to claim it. So will you claim your promise? Everything that I needed to do, I have done. My presence is with you. 
I will be there with you as you go into battle. And the same applies today. As you go into spiritual warfare, as you go into this spiritual battle, God is going to be with you. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you. What did he say? He said, I will leave you a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be able to guide you and to direct you. We're not fighting the battle alone, friends. We're not fighting it by ourselves. We have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. His presence is there. Therefore, we have access to his power. The question is, will you claim it? Will you claim the promise? Life doesn't have an easy button. God isn't going to do the battle for you, but he will do it with you. He'll enable you. John Getch said, God's part we cannot do. Our part God will not do. God's part we cannot do. Our part God will not do. Too many people today expect God just to hand them things. They feel like they should have everything on a silver platter. Well, it's by God's power in which we do things, which means I have nothing to do with it, which means I can sit back and not do anything in the battle. This is a Calvinistic philosophy. God uses his word as it's preached to penetrate hearts. But that means there needs to be a preacher. God will use his spirit to convict someone of their lost condition through the gospel message. But if there is a message, then that would mean there needs to be a messenger to share that message. We can sit back and complain about the way the world is going. Or we can partake in the spiritual battle. It's a problem in this country when boys and girls don't know what bathrooms use. It's a problem in this country when thousands and thousands of children are killed by abortion every day. It's a problem in this country when the, the country that was founded on biblical principles, our government is trying to stand in the way of the biblical philosophy, stand in the way of churches. We're in a spiritual battle, and it's real. It's as real as any earthly battle. God is calling us to fight in the battle. The question is, are we willing to do something about the spiritual well-being of our country? Are we willing to fight the spiritual battle for our families? Are we willing to fight the spiritual battle for our churches? The question is, do we believe God's word is true? Or are we just going through the routine because that's how we were raised? Or that's what we do? And we're just waiting until our time on earth is done. Talk a lot about heaven, and that's good. Talk a lot about how there's no more tears in heaven, and that's good. Talk a lot about how the joys of heaven are going to be glorious, they're going to be grand. 
something we can't even imagine, and that's good. But until then, there is work to be done, and there's a battle to be fought. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot didn't make a difference in Ecuador by filling a pew. Billy Sunday, Dwight Moody didn't make a difference by sitting down and letting other people preach the gospel. Stephen in Acts 7 didn't make a difference by backing down from the crowd when they picked up rocks to stone him. And a lot of Christians today are backing away from the fight because of the opposition of the enemy. But God is telling us to press forward and to fight the battle. These people made a difference because they believed that the promises in God's word were true. The question is, will we believe that the promises in God's word are true? And if they are, will we claim them? God has promised us victory. Will you claim it? He's promised us peace. Will you claim it? He's promised us rest. Will you claim it? What will your response be? That's the same question that they had to be asked. What was their response? Well, here's their response. This is the response of God's people in verse number 16. They answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Saying, Joshua, if God's with you like he was with Moses, which in verse 5 he just said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. If God is with you, just as he was with Moses, then we'll be with you. I'm telling you right now that God is expecting his people to follow him, to follow the pastor, to follow his leadership. God is expecting Grace Baptist Church to follow God. He expects us to. He wants us to follow him. And it's not just this, you better follow me. It's, will you follow me? I want you to follow me. I want you to partake in the battle. What did God tell him? As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Because his presence was there, his power was there. This was never about Moses. This was never about Joshua. This was always been about the presence of God. This has always been about the power of God. Moses passed off the scene. Power was still there. Moses passed off the scene. God's presence was still there. Joshua is stepping up and taking the position. God's presence is still there. God's presence is not a generational thing. The presence of God is not limited to this generation or that generation. It's not that he was with Moses' generation, but he wasn't with Joshua's generation. The presence of God is not conditional. It's not conditional on how well you can speak, how well you can teach. It's not, it's not conditional on your talents. It's not conditional 
God's presence is still there. His presence is still there. Today in our generation, you have access to the very presence of God. Because you have access to his presence. You have access to his power. Now, when I was younger, I didn't get this. I'm not saying that I have it all understood and all figured out. But as a kid, as a teenager, as a very young adult, I did not get this. If you're walking around the church, someone gets saved. I'm like, well, what's all the fuss about? <clears throat> what's the big deal? What's all the commotion about? Why are these people over here so happy? Somebody gets right with God and there's a rejoicing. Well, what's all the fuss about? What's all the, what's the big deal? That's because in order to appreciate God's power and seeing what he does, you have to be in his presence. If you're not in God's presence, if you're not right with him, you're not going to notice the things that he does. You're not going to notice his power. <clears throat> the question is, are you willing to be in his presence? <clears throat> Why did Lot choose to be close to Sodom? Because he was looking with his eyes. He was walking by sight. Why did Abraham want to be close to the altar? They both pitched their tents. Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. Abraham pitched his tent at the altar because he wanted to be in the presence of God because he's seen what the power of God can do. Maybe we're not experiencing the power of God in our lives because we haven't been spending time in his presence. It's not a generational thing. It's not a conditional thing. You don't have to be a preacher, a pastor, a missionary to be able to experience the power and the presence of God. All you got to do is want to be there. We have access to his presence. We have access to his power. Just like the children of Israel needed to respond to God's word, just as they needed to commit to the battle that God was calling them to fight, God's people need to answer that same call. But it won't do any good. We're outnumbered. So was Gideon. 300 against how many? 33,000. God won that battle. They had to do their part, but God enabled them to do that battle. David, he was outnumbered like by six feet. This huge giant in front of him, what did he do? He knew that God's presence meant God's power, and if God was with David, David, he was zealous about it too. He, who, who's this Goliath guy, and what is he saying about God? Why are you guys back there behind the tents when he's talking about God? I'll fight him. This little teenager, little kid goes out there with a slingshot, and no wonder he gets laughed at. But though, all it took was David submitting to God in order for God to give him victory over Goliath. <clears throat> God's calling us to fight the spiritual battle. The power of God is strong enough to break all the chains 
of sin. We want revival in our country. We want to see God do something. We want to see God do something in our nation, in our world. We love to hear missionary letters read and what God is. Do we love to hear that? We want to see God do something in our church, in our nation. But it's got to hit home first. It's got to start with God's people. It has to start with God's church. Are you willing to submit to God's authority in your life? Are you willing to admit, submit to him and to have a personal spiritual revival? God can revive your family. He can revive your children. He can revive yourself. Maybe sin has you captive. And there is this sin that has been besetting you and taking its toll on you. Fight the spiritual battle, but you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with God's help. I wonder how, I wonder how much we're limiting our potential by allowing sin to reign in our lives. I wonder how, how much God isn't using us because we're allowing sin into our lives. God wants to take us to the next step. He might want to take you to the next step, but there's something that you're holding on to, and God is calling you to let it go to get rid of it. <clears throat> I heard someone put it this way, and I liked it. I abstain from sin, not out of fear what, of what God will do to me. Rather, by grace, I abstain from sin out of fear of what God will not do through me. I abstain from sin, not out of fear of what God will do to me. Rather, by grace, I abstain from sin out of fear of what God will not do through me. A lot of times, the only person holding us back is ourselves. God is calling us to do more. He's calling us to fight the spiritual battle. There's a spiritual battle in your homes. The devil's made certain of it. Dads, it's okay to lead your homes. It's okay to say we're not going to listen to this music in this house. It's okay to say we're not going to dress this way. It's okay to say we're not going to have this type of entertainment in our house. It's okay to do those things. You are responsible for the spiritual well-being of your family. We all have a spiritual battle to fight. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual battle taking place, and God is calling everyone to be a part of it. <clears throat> God has a purpose for each and every one of you. God has called you to do something that he has not called someone else to do. God has called you to reach people that he's not called other people to reach. And if you were to ignore God's call to give that person the gospel, would they ever hear the gospel message? We can complain about the battle. We can complain about the sin and the immorality. But complaining will never take the place of action. But in our day and age, it seems like there's this huge push against the things of God. Well, then push back. Push harder. 
Not in a condescending way. Not in an angry way. But push back. Fight the battle. Why? Because you're of God, little children. And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In all these things, we, more, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. These things I have spoken unto you that ye might be that ye might have peace in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. There's no reason to fear the world. There's no reason to fear man. Why? Because God has already overcome the world. He's already fighting the battle. Will you join him fighting the battle? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. It's time that God's people claimed the promise. It's time God's people claimed their promise. The promise is, my presence is there. Therefore, my power is there. Therefore, fight the battle. Fight the battle. Why could the children of Israel claim their promise of victory? Because the presence of God was not limited to the generation of Moses. Why can God's children today claim their promise of victory? Because the promise, the presence of God, was not limited to the generation of Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. The question is, will you claim your promise? Will you rely on the presence and the power of God to follow him, to do whatever he has called you to do? You might say, I don't know what God is calling me to do. I don't know if God, maybe, maybe he's calling you to preach, maybe he's calling you to pastor, maybe he's calling you to be a missionary, maybe he's calling you to be a witness, maybe he's calling you to be a light, and to be like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe he's calling you to do something better, to do something more. <clears throat> Whatever it is, will you follow him? Will you rely on the presence and the power of God and do whatever it is that he has called you to do? We could spend a lot of time complaining about it. We could spend a lot of time talking about it. But God wants action. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to live our lives acceptable and pleasing we can't serve God with sin in our lives, not to our full potential, not the way that God would intend us to. The battle starts with me. The battle starts with you. Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we being what God has called us to be? Because we're not going to be able to reach our community, reach our world, <clears throat> to reach this nation unless we rely on the presence and depend on the power that only God can provide. The, day, the, the question is, 
will you claim your promise? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. If he's for us, who can be against us? Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for the victories that you've given so many people here. Thank you for the different people you've brought into this church. and You've changed lives. You've guided and directed them. and I'm no exception to that. You brought me into this church and showed me the, your will for my life. And God, we need more of that. We need to see your will and your presence throughout, not just this church, but in our neighborhoods and our families, in and out of church. God, I ask that you would show your people tonight that there is power in your presence, in your presence alone. We try try and try, but we don't rely on you, then we'll lose the spiritual battle. But if we depend on you, if we depend on your power, if we rely on your presence, then you promised us that you would be with us and that you would give us the spiritual victory. God, help us to fight for Canaan, to fight for spiritual victory in our own lives so we can reach our families, so we can reach our community, so we can reach this nation. God, help it to start with us. Help it to start with me. God, give us revival. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.